But I thank you for today and I thank you for our time together. Thank you for the worship and the communion that's coming. And God, I ask that your spirit would say something through the words that I feel like you've given me to share and something about them, you would take them and make it personal for each person. So thanks for helping today, God. Amen. Last week, I spent a lot more time than usual on Facebook. I don't tend to go there very often, but this week, a little bit more than normal. Because I wanted to see the Christmas and New Year's posts from people I know, old friends, people I've visited, places I've been. And it was fun to see that people had moved, they had changed jobs, they'd added children or grandchildren. It was kind of sad because a few people lost relatives. And it was really encouraging to remember the circumstances of all the different people that I've connected with. It just felt really good. Now, one person posted a saying that wasn't maybe necessarily a New Year's post, even though that's what they intended it to be. I don't know the original author. They didn't give credit for the quote. But that quote is the one thing I'd like you to try to remember from today. And that quote is this. You are allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. You are allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. It seems like the end of the calendar year is a frequent or maybe a convenient time to reflect on the previous year. If we're fortunate, we had a good year. We can look back on maybe more blessing, good things that have happened, and there'd be more of those than the difficulties and the sad things. Most of us are going to find a combination of them, but hopefully, at least most of us have had more good than not good. The beginning of a new year also seems to be an invitation to either set goals or make changes. Some people really enjoy the process of a restart. It's an opportunity maybe to go in a new direction. Now, it could be anything from saying, hey, this year we have to have a family budget to address debt. It might be, hey, I've got to get in shape, either physically or maybe emotionally. It could be a new time to address something that's a personal objective or a personal issue to work on. There are other people that don't like the idea of looking back or looking forward. Or for that matter, making any kind of a resolution or change of plans. So nothing gets planned. They just have some general undefined concept of here's the new year and we're going to go do something. Most of us probably try to find some balance of the two. Set a few goals, make a few changes, but not getting too locked in or enslaved by 
firm resolutions. You are allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. As I think I've shared with you, I tend to read sections or a group of books in the Bible at any given time period. During October and December, I read the four gospels. I read John a couple times. And I finished reading all of that on Christmas Eve. So for the first three months of this year, I decided to read Paul's letter to the churches. So on Christmas Eve, I started the book of Philippians. Now, with my mind on the past year, with its memories and regrets of 2021, as well as the new year of 2022, with its possibilities and optimism and change, I read Philippians 1. And when I saw that quote, that I'm allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time, I immediately thought of Philippians 1.6. So in your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul wrote this letter to the people in the church at Philippi. But reading through Philippians, I think he could have written it to the people in any church in any time in history. Paul was really good at commending people for who they were at the moment, recognizing their identity in, in Christ. Also, Paul was also good at identifying areas that the churches and the individuals in that church would be wise to address, improve, and overcome. There are always things that are good in every Christian doesn't matter how close or distant they are from God. There's always things that are good in every Christian. Every Christian is a child of God. Holy Spirit lives in every Christian. Every Christian has God-given gifts and fruit already in them, just waiting to be experienced and developed and given away. There are also things that Paul noticed that are often untouched or underdeveloped in every Christian. Fruit of the Spirit that's really slow to mature. Holy Spirit gifts that are there, but are under or undeveloped. Kingdom vision that's limited, or maybe it's stalled, or maybe it's not even there at all. Now, when I land on a verse that the Holy Spirit highlights to me, 
I like to read them in several different versions. I usually read the New American Standard to get the most uh, accurate, or at least it's considered the most accurate of all of the current or contemporary modern translations. But I also enjoy Bibles that give clarifying meaning and that add an emotional understanding. Helps me to connect. It helps me to move from study of a subject to a relational interaction with God. So Philippians 1.6 in the Amplified Classic Version says this, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and that perfect, perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. What encourages me about this amplified paraphrase is how complete and comprehensive God's work is in me and in you. It talks in this um, paraphrase so much more about how complete, how intentional, how desirous God is of completing the work in each one of us. God tells me that his plan for me is good. And what he's doing in me is good. Regardless of even the bad choices I make. Or the bad choices that other people make that impacts me. God's work in me is always good. It's helpful to remember God does not cause everything in our life. The bad things that happened to us last year weren't God's will. And those choices that impact you and me weren't God's will that other people did those things to us. Romans 8.28 gives us an assurance. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God doesn't cause all things but he does cause all things to work together for good. And that encourages me. When I experience something that's negative because of my poor choices or the poor choices of other people, God didn't cause that. But he'll take that and make something good out of it. And that really gives me hope. It really gives me an optimism to walk forward with God. Another version I like is the, <coughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry, is the Passion Translation. I like the Passion Translation because of its emotion. And here's what it says about Philippians 1.6. I pray with great faith for you. Isn't that cool? I just really like that. It isn't just a prayer of God, come and bless or do something like that. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this gracious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Note the language in this particular translation. Fully convinced, gracious work. Faithfully continue, maturing, unveiling. God is fully engaged and passionate about your and my development and maturity as his sons and daughters. He's got a heart investment in you. He's got a heart investment in me. And that's a really encouraging thing. He's not far away. He's not doing some other kinds of things. He's in the trenches. He gets down and dirty with me. When I do things that are good, when I do things that aren't quite so good or even bad. And when other people do things that are good or not so good or even bad, and they do it to me. He's right there working on it, causing all things to work together for good. Well, we're talking about we can be complete and yet we're still in process. We can be mature and we can still be developing. So I wanna look at a couple of, of examples. One example is it's possible for a Christian to be whole and broken at the same time. Go to Psalm 147.3. Psalm, the Psalms are a lot about David's relationship with God. He, was, he just showed us how honest he can be and how willing God is to interact. And there are a, lot, a number of places I don't read the Passion Translation, but I really like reading the Psalms in that. But we're in the New International Version right now. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Thinking back through this past year, there are instances of choices that I made and choices that other people made, which caused me pain and resulted in my heart being hurt. Some of those are not yet fully healed. There's still a rawness, a twinge of pain, a loss of trust, a, a brokenness that's still there and isn't fixed. God is still in the process of healing and binding up my wounds from those choices. And I would expect most all of us can relate to that. We've got some places that are still getting worked on, still getting healed. God's pursuing that in every one of us, but we're not all there. The day before Christmas, I received a telephone call from someone I hadn't heard from in years. I don't know why they decided to call, but they did. During that conversation, they brought up the name of a person whose single act caused me the most grief and pain that I have suffered in my entire life. I remember that event clearly. They talked about some other things. So afterwards I sat down and talked with God a little bit about the phone call that I got, including that painful thing that this person had done to me. 
And I realized it didn't hurt anymore. And it was the coolest thing. It was a thing that happened. Grievous and hurtful, worst in my life. And it didn't hurt anymore. It is a masterpiece of God's healing. Thank you, Jesus. I know what happened, but it doesn't hurt. We can experience both the masterpiece of healing and the process of being healed. Now, like me, you probably have places that God has healed and places that are still painful. A Christian can be both whole and broken and be those at the same time. And it's okay. Example two, it's possible for a Christian to be strong and weak. Go find 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Second Corinthians 12. Verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Most of you have been in church for a while. You've known and had a relationship with God for a while. Most of us have some areas we're pretty strong in. Satan's attacks against us, either in our minds or from the words or actions of other people, just don't impact us a lot. We've grown strong in that. It's also likely that all of us here have areas where we're weak. Satan's attack in our minds or the words and the actions of other people cause questions, even offense or rejection or pain. And God said to Paul, and God says to each one of us today, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is God's empowering ability to do what we cannot do on our own. God says, forgive. And I go, I do not want to forgive. And God says, I will help you to forgive. I will give you what's necessary to forgive. God, there's pain in my heart from that thing I still remember. And God says, I will give you what you need. I will give you grace to be able to receive and be healed so there is no more pain. Are there places that we're weak? 
or vulnerable or wounded? For sure. <laughs> That's kind of what this whole resolution thing is and looking back, back at the past year and looking forward to what's coming. And we remember that stuff, but we interact with people and we remember those things. Do we have those things that cause pain? Of course we do, but God's grace, God's empowering ability to do what we cannot do on our own gives us the power to do what we need to do to get whole, to get healed, to get safe, to get confident of who God's made us to be. I want to suggest that for a Christian, weakness is simply the place, the event, or the emotion before we experience God's grace and power. For a Christian, weakness is the place or the event or the emotion before we experience God's grace and power. Now, maybe in all this talk, there's kind of been a remembering of some stuff that's come up. That's part of the goal of telling you some of the stuff that I experience is it probably helps you remember the good and the maybe not so good. If there's a place of weakness or hurt or vulnerability today, God says to you, my power is made perfect in your weakness. The grace that I give you is what you need to get well, to get whole, to be able to move toward trust or acceptance. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So that Paul says, hey, I'm going to boast about my weakness. I just think that's odd. But he says, I'm going to boast about my weakness. Now, when we boast about places where we're weak, we're not going around saying, oh, well, I can't do that. I'll never get well from that. That's not the boasting he's talking about. What we are saying is, I cannot do this thing or that thing on my own. But God's power in me helps me to do this. I can forgive. I can be forgiven. I can get healed. I can overcome. I can experience a healthy I can experience being a healthy human being created in God's image because that's what God desires for me. God says his grace is sufficient for you because his power shows up when we are weak. We've all got places, I assume. If you don't, then you're better than I. 
where we're weak, where we've had insults thrown toward us. There's been hardships or persecution or difficulties. And like Paul, we can take delight in being weak. Now that sounds weird, but it's true. We can say in our, about a weakness that we have, God, here's another place for your amazing grace to come in and empower me to change, to heal, to get well, to believe differently about myself. Wow, God, I can't handle this. Your grace can. My grace, God says, is sufficient for you. My power working in you is what is enough for you to get what you need to emerge whole from this circumstance. So whether you're looking back and remembering things that didn't work well, or you're looking forward with maybe not excitement about some of the things you need to address this year, issues that have come up, lack, God says, my power, my grace is enough for you to walk through this with victory, with peace, with hope. God, here's another place for your amazing grace to come to the forefront of my thinking. Now, your grace, your empowering presence in my life can help me to be stronger than ever. Your power can rest in me in this situation because when I'm weak, your grace makes me strong. Your grace gives me healing. Your grace gives me the ability to move forward. Like me, you probably have places where you're strong and places where you're weak. A Christian can be both strong and weak. A third example, and there's a bunch of more, but three, it gives you the idea where you're going with it. It's possible for a Christian to be faithful and doubtful. Go to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. When you get there, you'll recognize this passage. It's, most people are pretty familiar with it. John 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when the Lord Jesus came. So the others disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
just a quick little aside, that verse cracks me up. They're locked in a, uh, in a room. Nobody can get in. And then Jesus shows up. Of course, he said, peace be with you. Come on, the guy just walked through a wall or door or something like that. I just think it's funny sometimes the way things are understated. Anyway, peace be with you. But then verse 27, and this just rocks. He said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. He goes right to the one that needs the ministry. And Jesus will come to you at the place you need ministry, even when other people don't necessarily need it. I just love that about God. He's so personal. In the middle of all the stuff he's doing, he makes it all personal for you and me. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Thomas was a man of great faith. We don't hear much about Thomas except for this passage. And there's even the, the world has coined a term, doubting Thomas. But Thomas was a man of great faith. Every place in the gospel you read about the disciples went out and did things. For instance, like in, in where is it? Luke chapter 10, where he sent out the, the, the 70 or the 72, and the disciples had done this. They wiped out sin and demonic activity in towns. And Thomas was a part of that. Thomas was such a man of faith that he's known as the apostle to India. He went all the way to India and did a significant kingdom work there. You can go to the city of Chennai today, and there is a chapel named for Thomas. He had that much of an impact. This was a man of faith, <clears throat> but he had a time when he didn't have faith. <clears throat> he had questions. He doubted. And that really helps me. I hope it helps you that the people in the Bible were just not people who were super great, always did the right thing. If you've read the book, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've read the book, virtually everyone in the Bible had holes, had areas of weakness, had vulnerabilities, and Thomas was no different. Like Thomas, I've got places where I am faithful and I've got places where I have doubts. And you probably do too. If you don't, please, I want to have coffee with you. I want to find out how you achieved the place of not having any doubt.
I have a lot of faith in believing that God is good. If somebody brings up something that, you know, oh, well, you know, God did this bad thing or God, you know, has, isn't good. I don't have any problem with it. That's not an attack for me. God is good, period. I have a lot of faith that God wants to have a functional relationship with me. I don't get tempted very often to think, oh, God doesn't want to talk to me. He's not interested in what I'm doing. No, he, he wants to have a relationship with me. I have a lot of faith in God's financial provision for the things that I need. I don't think about money a lot. I try to be a good steward, but I don't think about, wow, I wonder if I'm going to have enough money. Just don't. But like Thomas, I got places that aren't quite so solid. I still struggle with doubt and unbelief about healing. I know what the biblical truth about healing is, that healing is always God's will. I can teach it. I can give you all the verses that, that would validate and prove that it's God's will to heal all the time. <clears throat> but I wonder sometimes. And sometimes I'm doubtful about the outcome when praying for healing. I prayed for a lot of people who have gotten healed. <clears throat> Excuse me. I prayed for a man with an incurable disease. The doctor said he was going to die from it. And he's still alive and he's still well. I prayed for a lot of people. And they didn't get healed. Even when I knew in my heart of hearts, this is God's will. He wants to heal this person. And, and they didn't get healed. Right now, my wife is sick in bed right now, just a short distance down the hall. And I prayed for her. And I believed as much as I did for someone else. And she's sick today. I wonder sometimes. Sometimes I have doubts about my prayers for healing. And yes, I can remember when it worked. But I can remember when it doesn't work. Like Thomas, you've probably got places where you are faithful and places where you're doubtful. A Christian can be faithful and doubtful. And that's okay. I want to encourage you. I didn't know how long this was going to go exactly. So we don't have time to do it today. But I want to encourage you to take a few minutes to receive from God today. Ask Holy Spirit to show you a place. Maybe it's an incident. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something you did or something that someone did to you. But take a couple of minutes today. Talk to Holy Spirit about that. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm not feeling good. It hasn't gotten done yet. I still got this pain, this question, this stuff. It's okay. You can do that. Holy Spirit's like a really safe person to talk to. 
And you can do that because you're allowed to be a work in progress. It's okay to be a work in progress. Now, after you've done that, identified it and talked about it with God, ask Holy Spirit to bring a new and greater measure of healing in that still broken or still vulnerable or still painful place. And listen for the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you about your identity and how much he loves you. And there are resources. There are people in our City River community that can pray with you and walk you through some of this stuff, too, if, if you can't get it on your own. They can help you with it. It's okay to not have everything together. We can still be in process. But we're not required to stay there either. We can find God and find his healing and find his restoration. We can address the identity issues, or we can address the choices that we've made or that other people have made. I know we weren't talking about um, resolutions, New Year's resolutions, but I encourage you to consider in 2022, maybe getting rid of some of those places that are still in progress. I don't think we'll get them all before we go be with Jesus, but we can get rid of some of them, even really big ones. And I can testify, God can take away the pain. God can address the places of questions and wondering. He's just that good because he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace. God says, my ability to give you power to overcome what you cannot do on your own is sufficient for every single place of need, repair, hope, whatever it is. God says, my grace is sufficient. Philippians 1.6 in the Passion Translation again says this. Just listen and let it kind of wash over you a little bit. Paul is speaking to us. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this gracious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. City River. You are allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Father God, thank you for understanding us. It is amazing to me. It delights me. You see all the things we do and say and think and yet you remain fully committed to our well-being. There's no holding back in your love for us. Thank you that your plans for us are always good. And thank you for your unrelenting commitment to help us grow into the masterpiece you've always desired for us to be.
God, I thank you for grace. Oh, God, I thank you for grace. You empower us to do what we can't do on our own. God, we choose again today. And I know I've done it, and probably a lot of us have done it, oh, just a whack of times. I choose again to surrender pride or self-consciousness about coming to you because we're in process, and you know that. And we choose again today to renew our commitment to walk and talk with you every day, many times a day, as we progress into the men and women you desire, into the masterpiece. Father God, I ask us to be fully convinced. And in places where we can't, you help us to be fully convinced that you will continue to mature us for as long as we live on this planet. And God, may we come to understand your passion, your desire, your joy for being with us in that process of becoming a masterpiece, of becoming your masterpiece. I love you, Papa.